0: the free for all round table
1: round 2 on round two this morning, News Talk 1010's Jason Agnew, Patrick Brown is here, Mayor of Brampton, Toronto lawyer Kareem Assad also present and accounted for. And let's actually quickly touch on the poll, which is probably the last one we're going to ever talk about here on News Talk 1010 before the election, because you're not allowed to talk about polls on election day. Uh, but the latest poll would suggest that Olivia Chow, who was just in our studios, continues to be the front runner. However, there seems to have been a surge for Anna bylaw and. Farim Asad, let me start with you, because I think a lot of people have, if they don't want to vote for Olivia Chow, have been looking for the place to park their vote that is going to make a difference, rather than scattering them through a bunch of other candidates. So, for, you know, Anna Bailao, this is kind of a significant development.
0: It is, and it's interesting how many candidates have tried to position themselves as that alternative yes. to Chow. Um, Mark Saunders has a signed campaign right now in Scarborough um, that... Has Chow's name on the sign itself. Um, so, you know, I, I guess last minute poll suggests that it may be Anna Bailao, but a, a lot of candidates have been vying for that this entire time.
1: Jason Agnew, it, it really, I, you know, Karima's analysis is spot on. It's key for the other candidates, the non Chow candidates, that they be recognized as the bankable one, the person who's very much in second place. So this kind of changes the geometry.
2: Yeah, it's key, but it's also interesting the tactics that the candidates have gone about. With Anna Bailau, the endorsement of John Tory, I'm actually surprised that that has helped so much. And I'm wondering if that is indeed what has helped, or what actually helped, was Premier Ford savagely going after Olivia Chow and endorsing Mark Saunders at the same time, and that turning off Torontonians to the Saunders vote.
1: Okay, and Patrick Brown, you are mayor of Brampton, of course. Uh, Should the Premier have kept that to himself? Should he be meddling? in a municipal election?
3: Listen, I, I think the Premier is entitled to uh, express who uh, he, he prefers to to, to work with. Uh, I don't think it was a big secret. I think everyone knew that he was uh, supporting Mark Saunders. What I would say about polls, though, is that you have to take them with a grain of salt. You know, There's that famous yeah. uh, John Diefenbaker quote, the polls are meant for, for dogs. And I can tell you in my own election, there was a poll released right before saying we were tied. And I... And I, I knew I was up by 30 to 40 points. And so sometimes there's a theater to, to to the polls. And so you shouldn't look at one poll. You should look at the average of polls if you want to have some insights. And right now, if you look at polls that have been publicly reported, um, there are different people in second place in each of the polls. And so I think this is Olivia Chow's race. Uh, I think she's going to win. Um, and I'd be shocked if uh, we had any other um, outcome.
1: Cursive writing is going to make a comeback in the curriculum at uh, Ontario schools. Jason Agnew, possibly more than anybody else on the panel, I think you're the most recent graduate of our education system. Did you learn cursive writing when you were in school?
2: Uh, absolutely John uh, I'm certainly not that young I was uh, I was there for cursive writing I didn't really care for it myself uh, I turned to printing quite you know right after I didn't have to write anymore I began printing I found it much more legible and better but the point you made earlier on the show that this is actually a brain exercise and I do' understand that because in doing what we do and of course you know going back to student council speeches or public speaking one of the key ways to memorize things was to physically write it down. And that is really the brain exercise that I think that the school board is bringing back here.
1: Yeah, Patrick Brown, the, it seems to be, as Jason was saying, that introducing something that involves discipline is very healthy in a learning environment. So this is more than teaching people how to write pretty things.
3: Yeah, I, I, I think it's an important life skill to have, I would say, in today's day and age at computer literacy. Is, is, is more important, but I, I think everyone needs no basic uh, cursive writing.
1: And Karima, I'm wondering if you as a lawyer are like me as an interviewer. I write horrifically messily so that nobody can understand my notes, because I don't want them to see what questions I'm going to ask. And I always remember a lawyer friend of mine would also um, write very messily so somebody wouldn't you know, take a peek and see his strategy.
0: I'm going to start using that as the explanation
1: for why I do now. Uh, That's good. I like that. Okay. Um, Canadians, and I don't know, I can't bring any special analysis to this one, but I want to hear yours. Canadians will no longer have access to news content on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Patrick Brown, I'll start with you on this one. Effectively, the federal government said that um, social media would have to pay for this content or forgo it, and social media, at least at Meta, are saying, fine, we'll do with that. Yeah, it's
3: unfortunate there is no um, agreement. I do worry that Canadian news media um, is struggling. Uh, I think it's important to have local news. I don't want to be in a state where we're only dependent um, upon U.S. news. You, you just spoke about some of the misinformation we've seen in some environments in in, in U.S. news. Um, so I, I just wish there was there was some compromise that 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 could have worked that would have supported. Canadian news, but at the same time, allowing it to be on Facebook. And it, it, the reality is that's where most people are. Right now, if there's an interesting article in the city of Branton, I'll put it on Facebook and share it in community groups. And um, I, I think it's important to be able to, to share content that way.
1: Karim, I was making the association earlier in the show today with uh, the Napster era, where people were getting their music for free. And, you know, some people were saying, well, you know, it's uh, Aerosmith is already rich and they should be happy to be heard. No, you got to pay our- artists for their content, and I think you have to pay publications for their content.
0: Yeah, I I mean, that is the crux of the issue. Now, the difference, I think, in the analogy is that um, being able to share or access news stories, especially where they are verified and accurate in a landscape like Facebook or Instagram, where so much misinformation Uh, flourishes, Um, no longer having access to news, I think, you know, that changes the balance a
1: little bit. And Jason, like anybody here at News Talk 1010, and I know you have your own television as well, um, you're a a news hound, but uh, I don't know that we necessarily need Facebook. I don't need what my mom sent me. I can go and find the articles myself, thanks.
2: You can, John, but you and I are an oddity in that respect to go and hunt down these articles. A lot of people just look at their feed and see what they get and go off that. And that was a lot of the misinformation that we had during the pandemic. I think this is actually a part of a bigger problem. I saw an article this week that actually startled me. And this is, you know, looking at the decline of the industry that you and I work in. Both Mohawk and Loyalist College have suspended their journalism programs. Yeah. There's actually not an interest for for young people to go into journalism because the industry is declining, because people are just taking what they read on social media and are being influenced as opposed to
1: informed. Yeah, I I have to tell you, my biggest worry is the future of news is going to be bloggers and bloggers only delivering what you wanted in the first place. I mean, we saw that at Fox, for Pete's sake. Um, NHL nixing pride and pretty well all other theme night jerseys. Now, uh, the players won't wear jerseys, but they may still have heritage and Night or can't fight cancer night or Pride night. Um, but Karima said, this for me is, I mean, this is what the haters wanted, right? They turned up the pressure on corporations and entities because they wanted an end to observances of Pride, and the NHL is giving in.
0: Well, it, uh, the, the reaction, mm-hmm. right, in, in banning everything, right, mm-hmm. is is it what they actually wanted because it feels sort of um, cutting off your nose to spite your face Um, and uh, i'm not like a huge hockey fan but i do know that sort of those warm-up jerseys can be used as charitable auctions that kind of thing and it was a way of building spirit so it's uh unfortunate I think that this was the outcome.
1: The Commissioner Gary Bettman said he just wants to avoid the distraction and Jason I guess by that he means that because there are a few people always grumbling about this sort of thing let's just call it off.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, those people are kind of ruining this for all of us. But maybe it should be something, because these are done team-specific as opposed to league-wide. And if you look at Major League Baseball, they celebrate different occasions, and they'll do so with a hat, basically. Mothers and Fathers Day, Armed Forces Day, uh, they'll change the hats, but they don't necessarily change the jerseys. Now, granted, this is all about marketing when it comes to changing the jerseys, but if they do something league-wide, maybe that works as opposed to just the team.
1: Okay,
3: Patrick brown your thoughts yeah i think it's disappointing um i don't think the nhl should uh cower to a noisy uh two or three percent um they should do what's right um and uh when they had you know uh, pride jerseys i thought it was beautiful when they had the indigenous themed jersey in vancouver i thought it was beautiful um i you know for me this is just a a fail do better
1: uh, let me actually take advantage of your presence here, Patrick Brown, because this is an initiative of a Toronto city councillor, but you are mayor of a city that would be affected by this. Mike Cole wants to divert trucks from the 401 onto the 407, and you know part of that plan would involve either taxpayers footing part of the bill for the truckers or the 407 cutting them a deal. I don't see the 407 cutting anybody a deal. So what
3: is the rationale f- for that, would be my first question. Um, it, are, is he saying they're unsafe? Because if they're unsafe on the 401, then why would they be safe on the 407? Frankly, in in my city, um, the 407 is heavily used because it's the highway that runs through um, the south end of, of of Brampton. And so, you know, I, um, I would need to understand why he thinks it would be safer on the 407. Um, yeah. I,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's, it's a matter of safety, but also a matter of he just feels that the 401 is too crowded with trucks. And yeah, I use the 401 quite a lot, and it is packed with trucks, but I'm not sure why the people who run the 407 would like to compromise the uh, ecstasy of driving on that highway by adding in a whole bunch of trucks. But Jason Agnew, your thoughts?
2: I like Mark Tuohy's point about moving trucks up to the 407 because the 401 is essentially a parking lot and it's all trucks. And I'd like to see, if not all, then an even divide just to kind of free up that 401.
1: Okay. Kareem Assad, good thinking or a harebrained civic idea?
0: I I agree with um, Patrick. It needs to be backed up with some sort of evidence on its face the idea that, well, it's less crowded there, so send them over in case there's a problem and then fewer people will be affected. Um, but I don't know how that actually bears out with the numbers.
1: Thank you all. Good to have you. That's our last roundtable of the week. So my thanks to Jason Agnew, who will be back on Sunday morning, Patrick Brown, Mayor of Brampton, and Toronto lawyer and activist Karim Assad. Thanks to you for listening. My thanks to Joe Cristiano and Nick Mayorano. Really busy week on the show with a lot of people coming and going but then a lot of stories that required special coverage. So, yeah, we're all a little bit uh, worn out, but that's okay. We'll meet back here on Monday. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.